You are listening to the oneofus.net podcast network. Talking about the Indians. The chip our good friends the Chippewas. How's that hitting you? I don't know, man. Uh, I don't really know. I don't know where you're going with yeah, that. I don't know either. You just I made was me really, think of I just, Cleveland. Well, no. So the is thing is, is like thing? the thing is, you test the mics Indians. using. If you oh. test the mics using the same words all the time, then you develop a, a tolerance to those words. So I try to use new words. Tolerance, words, huh? words. Sure Chippewa is an old word, Kevin. Oh. I hate to bust your bubble. Oh, oh. Now I'm gonna have to start over. I think <laughs> this is so confusing. I know that we should <laughs> play theme music. Go. Well, I mean, maybe. Yeah, I don't know. Do you want to do that? I, I are we, we finished? Are you finished talking about the Chippewas? <laughs> Ryan, Ryan always wants to get to the to the theme music about six seconds into our conversation. No, I think I got. I no, think, you you I, like I, set the record. I think I did. I think we maybe it was six seconds. The, the punk rock intro, like yeah. What do you do? Yeah. <laughs> All right, I'm Shane. I'm Ryan. I'm Kevin. I'm Mark. Somebody liked it. So, you know, regular segment that we have on the show, um, Celebrity Death Watch, usually not quite as tragic. Um, well, it's, <laughs> it's usually pretty tragic. It's death is tragic. Dead. Well, I mean, when Abe Vigoda passes, that's not necessarily tragic. That guy lived Wait, a full life. Wait, is Abe Vigoda dead? Uh, I believe he is still dead, uh, along with... Uh, is this a situation? Franco. Is this situation like Murder She Wrote, where like the same lady keeps showing up and then people die and then that they was investigate? My thing it, about that show is like, like if Angela Lansbury shows up in your town, get the fuck out. Yeah, right, exactly. Uh, but anyway, um, uh, Kevin Garcia, bass player from Granddaddy, had a massive stroke and died like what yesterday? Um, yeah, I think yesterday. Um, so anyway, uh, he was forty-one and. Uh, that is tragic. They were just about what? They just put out a record they like just put out a, a month ago. Yeah. yeah. Just reformed, and they sound great. Um, but that might be the reinstitution of the curse um, that we talked about them, and then somebody died. So I don't know. Oh, right. Yeah. But anyway, uh, rest in peace, Kevin Garcia. Um, you were in a great band, and um, you will be missed. Uh, Shane has some thoughts on... I do have some thoughts. So, equally tragic. I don't know. Well, equally, I mean, I don't know that anybody e- died. E- they just e- had, e- they just had bad sandwiches. Like, this is the uh, segment of Schadenfreude here. So this is, so this is the, so last weekend was supposed to be the weekend of the Fire Festival, which um, FYRE. FYRE, and I don't know at what point anybody is going to be listening to this show, but just a brief rundown. A uh, couple douchebags decided they were going to throw a music festival for, I mean, tickets up to $250,000 like from VIP really packages. a really weird eclectic bill, right? Yeah, like it was Blink like 182, Migos, Major Lazer. <laughs> uh, those are the three that I, I can think of off the top of my head. Aren't but, Migos a dish? Migos. Oh, that's right. Sorry. Migos is a very... Very popular rap group at the moment. Yeah, but it, but it ended up being like kind of the, the, the equivalent of right. that that cruise liner sure. that like ran out of power in the middle of the ocean. Right, and there's like feces floating up and down the hallways. Yeah, and well, stuff. it was like the the you know festival equivalent. Well, of that. So, so somebody there's a there's a few things to unpack that you guys need to know about. But somebody said something that just basically is festival 101, especially festival in on an on an island that nobody lives on. 
like kind uh, of inaccessible in the Bahamas. other than by like a chartered plane. Well, and also like ferries. But uh, so nobody lives on this island. Anyway, some somebody said I wrote this. I read this quote, and they're like, or whatever. This, I'm paraphrasing. Uh, it, it's sort of festival 101 that you probably need to figure out if the place where you're throwing the festival has running water or not. Because in this case, it did not. There was no running water. That, that seems to be important. Right. Wow. And so, okay, so I just found this out. Okay, they, they, they had this first round of raising money uh, about this festival and everything. Then they, like, for example, they, they spent – they started selling tickets before they even had the lineup put together or before they had figured out any logistics. And, and they were spending money on, like um, – Celebrity people like and how much were the tickets? They were like fucking stupid. They went expensive. from a thousand dollars to like two hundred fifty thousand for VIP packages. But um, so they were giving like two hundred fifty thousand to ninety thousand dollars to a bunch of these like models to like advertise it on their like feed on Facebook and stuff like that. Um, but one of the well, things and one of the Kardashians, I think, was yeah, there were all kinds that. of like these trendsetters, you know, uh, exclamation points. Um, but I mean, exclamation. Uh, Quotation marks, but um, but here's this is what I really think is this is where the Schadenfreude comes in. So the dude, I think his name was Billy McDonald and Ja Rule, um, may, uh, they found out about this island or something. This dreamed up this idea in October, and. <laughs> Didn't even start working on the festival that they they began to sell tickets in November before they even had a lineup and didn't really start working on logistics until March and the festival was happening in April. And October, like this huge festival that your people are spending, you know, you're hoping to make millions and millions of dollars on and you start working on it less than six months, six months before you're expecting to throw the Throw this big thing. Well, to be fair, um, I think Woodstock had a lot of shit going on uh, that went wrong, and it's like legendary now. Well, uh, a different kind of legendary, and that's because too many people showed up and crashed the gates, and it rained a lot. This also Woodstock actually happened. And yeah, and Woodstock, <laughs> that's true. Woodstock <laughs> happened. Um, no, this was all people like, okay, uh, we're gonna do everything we can to get people off the island. Yeah, they were. It looks like they were going to this island on like jaunts, like vacation jaunts, like every other weekend. Supposedly they're supposed to be scouting it out and stuff, but really they're going to other islands around this island and like have it trying to hook up with locals and stuff like that. I mean, just r- incredibly well run, well thought out festival. The best tweet I saw, and it said, um, "This is just another example of how uh, people with more money than sense will." Uh, Go to some place with no real escape plan, <laughs> like, like go to an exotic location with no real escape plan. Well, like, and they were promised like gourmet food and stuff, and it turned out to be like ham sandwiches. I don't even think there was meat. No, there I was think no it was meat just, on it. it was I think cheese. it was just cheese, lettuce, tomato, and bread. Yeah, oh well, uh, yeah, I mean, that worked for you. Yeah, but not if I'm spending a thousand. Like, like, like part of what I'm promised. Thousand. Oh, and here's another thing: they they were encouraged to not bring cash. And use these like those digital like wristbands like they do in all all like all inclusive like resorts. So everybody put all their money into these wristbands that they couldn't use because the equipment wasn't there to be able to use it or buy anything with it. So when, once they got like a flight back to the airport or anything, nobody could buy food or water or hotel rooms or anything because 
Yeah. So many of them didn't have didn't have money. any cash or yeah other means. Of they were payment. expecting just to fly, get chartered it's to be this an all inclusive like music festival, and nope, it was an epic failure. Yeah, you can make the argument that it was an all exclusive music festival. That, like, that, that's that could, that's that's could probably be more accurate, in, including the music. I, I read this article and where and this yes. this woman was hired to go and like do some coordinating and stuff like that. She got down there. She's like, oh fuck. And at one point, she's talking to some guy, some guy, and the guy goes, "She's just trying to bring up logistics. She's just trying to basically say, like, we don't have, we can't do this. Like, this, it is nowhere near ready to be done." And he goes, "Fuck that. Let's just go be legends." Yeah. Uh, well, well, I mean, legendary in douchebag. Yeah, not, the, not the way he was expecting. As somebody who's put together events, not at that scale or, or whatever, but like one of the things that that struck me is really interesting. Is that they said after they scrapped it, they said, "Oh yeah, we're going to come back and do one next year. Yeah, we'll do it next year." A- and I thought, "All right, well, one of two things will happen: either they won't do it next year, which could totally be the case, or they're operating under the idea that any press is good press." And I was like, "There's a lot of this that's just not good press." Well, <laughs> like, they're, they're trying right. to give people like you know, there's a hundred million dollar class action lawsuit being filed that's been filed against them already. Oh my yeah. god! And then, but they're trying to give people. If if you don't ask for a refund, they're trying to refund you in tickets to next year's event. Mm. Yeah, fool me once, right, right. Well, it'll be interesting to see how many people get fooled twice. Man, those are people with more money than sense. Well, I think that's well, already been proven. And yeah. sh- we, we, what? I mean, it's been proven that Americans have short, short memories too. So, yeah. Um, okay. The, the who for one will not be fooled again. <laughs> Thank you for that. Thanks, sure. thanks for yeah. yeah. <laughs> okay, speaking of David Rex, that's a completely All different right. generation, really. Talking about completely different generation. Okay, whatever. Um, so sad. Yeah. Okay, this week, uh, Van Morrison Astral Weeks. So, okay, so here's what I have to say about Van Morrison. I absolutely love the the record that came after this Moon Dance. I think it's a classic. I think it's one of the better albums from that era. I think he's an incredible singer. Having said he, he, that, he's got a great voice. Holy What shit, the man. fuck was this pile of shit, man? No, you know what? I shouldn't put it that okay, way. So some might say it's a derogatory term, but snooze fest, uh, because literally I got tired listening to it. I, um, you know, I don't mean it's a well, pile of shit. and to be fair, Ryan, you get tired a lot. So that's a fair argument. That's absolutely true. Depending on what time Um, of the day, like it doesn't mean much. Oh, you're just going to put on Law and Order SVU on the TV with the sound all the way down, and like no, no, I I, I watch Law and Order. Like they'll do a marathon, and I'll watch like seven of them in a row. Oh my god, SVUs, yeah, totally. Um, But man, yeah. So here's all right. So I. Like I said, I love Moondance. But the thing about Moondance is it has songs on it. And it has musicians that know what songs they're playing. Because this... Well, he just hired a bunch of dudes who didn't really know each other, didn't know the music. Right. They didn't know the music. He went... Apparently, they got to the studio. He went in his own... Like, he went off to to a... Like, you know, to a little, like, isolation booth by himself. And then just started playing the songs. And then they would, like, follow him. But the thing is, okay, a couple things. Do we really need flute on every single song? God damn, that, that's dude. The, the, dude and, and I, I, okay, so I will say this. I, I went through a brief, uh, brief 
uh, Dalians. Jethro Luke? Tull. Jethro, oh. Jethro Tull face in high school. Like I, I listened to like two. Were you like records. sitting on a park bench and yes. you're just like, uh, hey, yeah, <laughs> leering at, at girls with uh, bad intent, right? Yes. Yeah. Uh, but no, I went through a little phase where I kind of liked Jethro Tull, but those songs were upbeat and, you know, and like, I, I can kind of take them or leave them now, but. Yeah, I know. mean, I like to listen to the flute and like some Brazilian music and stuff like that, but this, this is, so is just really languid. It, it, it's um, just hippie. Okay, you know, one of the things that, the, that this album has going against it, ultimately, uh, is is it's just a bunch of like notes that he's singing and playing in like kind of no discernible song order i mean they just kind of it just kind of all runs together and then the and then the musicians rather than like playing like parts they just play over the whole song they're just constant it's like being at like a campfire with a bunch of different guys like, like in a drum circle or something where everybody's just trying to just, contribute their right. whole thing yeah that's a good drum circle's a good idea where everybody's just trying to that's what this was at some point it's just like sonic overload you're just like ah i don't need to hear the flute playing every single note on the you, you know what's song. not surprising to me um is that my friends who really love the grateful dead also love van morrison well, that doesn't surprise me for a lot of different reasons. But if you go listen to his stuff out, this is the only album of his, as far as I know, that ha- that is like this. That's hippie, d- as far as like. Well, and this is like jammy. kind of legendary now, um, right? So you know what's um, interesting? Well, there's a lot that's interesting, and after we listen to the first song, we'll, we'll talk about the story of the lead up to getting this album made. But it, it is a, a legendary record, and I've heard of I've heard of it spoken. It's highly of for for a long for many years, and the only time I'd ever really kind of listened to it was years ago. I was on the road with Derek Morris, and he's driving the van, and whoever drives gets to listen, you know that kind of thing. And then like I wake up and I was like, "What? This sounds like Van Morrison, but what is it?" And then but I just shitty. And, and put me back to sleep. And, exactly. Uh, and yeah, that it was this. I don't know. You know, and here's here's a problem. There's one song, the sweet thing. That was that was that's the that's the I've one. Got, I've got okay. I've got two songs on this record that I can deal with. Uh, that's one, um, and there's another one that I genuinely like. Um, beyond that, what, what's the one that you genuinely like? Do you ballerina. Remember? Oh yeah, that's pretty good. Yeah, those are pretty good. I, I think the first song, Astral Weeks, gets better halfway through, but the rest of it, I just I don't I can don't really know how to deal well, do with you, it. Do you want to spin uh, Sweet Things? I do have an anecdote, a weird anecdote. Yes, yeah, let's that. go ahead and let's listen to that. Right. And I will walk and talk in gardens all wet with I'd just like to point out that Mark started playing that song, and what just happened uh, once he started playing the song? 
Everybody left the room. Everybody left the room. <laughs> well, I didn't leave it for the reason that you guys left it. Like, well, no, I, I left like it because I I know what song that is, and I've heard it already. I've heard it recently. Uh, yeah, you, you might have to go to the bathroom. I had to go get some M and M's. Yeah, we all had stuff we had to do. Yeah, it, but it, it, it was it, not it, of dire importance that we needed to pee in here to listen to that song. It's, it's a pretty good song, though. It's pretty good. That's that's exactly the level I give it. At. Well, look, C plus, man. For, for like, the, no, no, B, no, B minus. No, no, it's at least a B. But you know what? But compared to everything else on this album, like this is this is the toe tap room, dude. Yeah, and also like I don't know. I mean, why does every everybody has to play all at the same time? Always, it's like fucking like it's like, just a bunch of dudes jamming. Like, yes, all over each other. Yeah, I am not that into the. Spontaneous jamming, and apparently it wasn't that well received when it first came out. But now well, it also it's, it's wasn't very well statue. promoted. They didn't yeah. promote it at all. Yeah. So here's a weird thing. Um, I work, uh, you know, at a restaurant. There's a H E B grocery store. Um, that's about halfway between my job and my home, and so I stop there like pretty much every night after I get off work. And I was, I had this, I had the window rolled down, and the song was playing. And I was just going in to get my nightly shopping done, and this uh, guy was, like, stacking carts, and he goes, hey, what was that? You were playing in your car. And I was like, oh, it was Van Morrison. He's like, oh, that was really good. <laughs> and, and, then, and that's where that conversation ended. And, well, I mean, I had to go in and get some shopping done. And then, he was and stacking it, carts. I, was, I really want that story to end with that guy, like, having a faraway glaze in his eyes. Like, <laughs> oh, he kind of did. Yeah, uh, of course he did. Uh, like, yeah, I followed Van in the... In a van. In, I don't know if he 70s. knew who Van Morrison was, but he clearly is the target market for that song. <laughs> One of these days, I'm going to be rid of these uh, carts. So the acclaim for this song is interesting. It was listed as number 415 on the all-time 885 greatest songs. Right stuck in the middle. <laughs> well, what, a, what a bizarre number of greatest songs, too, by the way. Like, 885. Yeah, I, 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 man, we should, yeah, I just love the bizarre lists that are out there. It's that is just good time fun right there. Did they set out as saying we're going to limit it to eight hundred and eighty-five, or did they get to that far limited. and they're like, yeah, there's no more great songs? Yeah, I, I got nothing left. So I want to talk about the um, the story behind this album getting made because it's way more interesting than this actual album is. So in the late, so he was in this in the band Them that we're all familiar with, like you know, Baby Please Don't Go and. You know, I mean, I knew he was a band called Them, but I... You know I, that Baby Please Don't Go Down to New Orleans song? Anyway, and then it's like Gloria and... Gloria, I definitely know. And then... Um, That's how they closed uh, Liberty Lunch. They did like a... Yeah, Gloria 24-hour, yep. like Gloria the Gloria Jamathon. And Here Comes the Night was the other hit that they had, which for some reason... When, and I know that song, and I and I can sing it to you, but whenever I think of it, it... It it's it becomes a combination of here comes my girl and because of the night by Patty Smith. Yeah, I thought maybe you were just like uh, misremembering it. No, it's no. here comes tonight. You, okay. If you heard it, you would know it. Um, but anyway, so after that, so he left that band and he hooked up with this cat Bert Burns, and they did a, a record. He did Brown Eyed Girl, who uh, died, and then it was all right. kinds of legal shit. Right. Well, so listen. So here's so so they did Brown Eyed Girl. Brown Eyed Girl was a huge hit, and then after that. Van or Bert wanted him to do. He produced that record. He and it was also his label. He wanted to do something more like that, and Van Morrison wanted to do 
totally this different. Shit. Well, this wasn't written yet, but he wanted to do different, like I would more artsy it, shit. It maybe wasn't even written. Uh, I, w- I think that's a fair statement. But um, so anyway, this this guy Bert Burns was found dead from a fatal heart attack, and um, right before he was found dead, he and Van Morrison had been fighting a lot over which direction the music was going to go. So his wife, Bert Burns' wife, like help. Let me help. just interject one thing. He did. He was diagnosed with an uh, undiagnosed uh, congenital, congenital heart, heart defect. So, yeah. yeah. So she blamed it all on Van Morrison, and it turns out after this happens, she found out that her husband hadn't filed the appropriate paperwork to keep him in New York. He's from Northern Ireland, so she went ahead and called like immigration on him just like try to get him booted <laughs> yeah, out yeah try to get him so 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 they they evaded Tried. they evaded an INS um and went to um i think Vegas or somewhere i don't know but he just went ahead and just got a shotgun marriage to his then, oh, his then girlfriend. girlfriend at the time and was able to stay to stay in the states and so what he did he was still like trying to tread lightly so he went ahead and went like in Massachusetts, and just was playing like folk gigs in tiny little folk clothes with this guy, like while they figured out. How and they to were make playing. They they were, they ended up playing full sets of what ended up becoming this record. Yeah. Um, but I also I also really appreciated the fact that like and Wikipedia makes no explanation. Like they don't explain this at all. But his then girlfriend, you know, uh, and it, like eventual wife, they always refer to as Janet. Parentheses planet Janet planet. Janet planet Janet planet Rigsby Minto, and I was like, I don't even know how all this works. I'm confused, but uh, but yeah, uh, she, I think she yeah she I think she was uh, like came up with wavy gravy. Mm. Yeah, um, I read oh, this. Of course. I read this story recently, um, and it was um, what's his fucking name Eddie. The owner of Better. Red Gills. No, no, I know exactly Money. what you're talking about. And um, he and he 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 ran. Um, Thread Gills is a, a kind of a local Austin legend, like a legendary restaurant. Austin venue that uh, is no longer open. Well, no, it, it's open as a restaurant. They um, still have music. Oh but, well, you uh, sorry, you said Thread Gills. It used to was, be. It, 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 this it Eddie Wilson uh, is his name. Yeah, like uh, he, Armadillo. Armadillo uh, right. Yeah, yeah, so he used to run the Armadillo World Headquarters, which was like a a pretty big. It used to be an old like I think airport hangar or something like for private. There well, were a couple like where like Willie Nelson would play and yeah, Doug well, they, Som and so yeah, and this is like late seventies, early eighties, and so apparently, um, they were like all of these people like staying out behind the Armadillo and like in these like he's these like round buildings, they called yurts. And Van Morrison, I don't know if he played there or was about to play there or was just there because it was the place for people to go. But he's there with this woman, and he said he was wearing a cape. And he was there with this woman, and, like, he wouldn't talk to anybody. He would only whisper in her ears, and then she would have to, like, say what he said. They would have to talk to him in the third person. Yeah. yeah. That, that, the book that that is that's getting ready to come out, they just teased it in The Statesman. Yeah, I, that, I read a, about it in the in the Chronicle. But yeah. the, my favorite part of the whole story, they go outside, and they're looking at the yurt, like these round buildings, and um, and he whispers in her ear, and, and – uh, and she she looked and tells the guy Eddie Wilson she's like Van needs his corners like because they're they, was he that big a douchebag rock star he's just a thing? fucking weirdo man people he's got a bad reputation in the in the industry Lars used to be friends with a guy that was like his Lars your Gorenson. producer yes yeah. Lars Gorenson. Yes. Um 
used to be friends with this guy that worked with that would be on tour with them all the time and every night after the show they would draw straws to see who was going to have to be the one to go out with the band because he always wanted to go out to have beers afterward and i was like they didn't want to go out then he's like yeah the, the guy said that would just be hours of him like nursing or drinking guinnesses and like sitting there with his head in his hands going it's all so fucking bleak like night after night after night after night so dude sounds that, like that's f- kind of really northern irish yeah uh, sure I mean, not nothing against Mark's wife, who is also Northern Irish. <laughs> None taken. He 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 sounds like an odd. This is my favorite eccentric dude. This is my favorite excerpt of that that the excerpt of the excerpt that ran in the in the Statesman. And the and the funny thing is is like um, this book is co-written by Jesse Sublett, who is a guy who who did uh, our show at South by last year and has written a lot about Austin in the 60s and the 70s. And and so anyway, he says. Um, this is Eddie telling the story about when uh, he put Van Morrison up at his house. He says, we were pleased as punch that Van Morrison chose the Armadillo to kick off his Caledonia Soul Express tour in January of 1974. Van was big box office at the time, and to cover the premium price we paid to get him, and this will date it, we raised the cover to $3 for his show, and all three nights sold out. He was super naturally gifted and more than a little eccentric, but we did our best to keep him comfortable and happy. Um, his wife... Even put him up at the house, and during a stay there, a young, attractive female companion did all his talking for him. And so, the, anyway, the introduction, he's like a typical interaction went something like this. Van would like an omelet, said the interpreter. Okay, I'll be glad to make Van an omelet, I said. Whisper, whisper, whisper. Van would like me to make his omelet, said the interpreter. Sure thing, no problem. It was a weird three days and nights. <laughs> Dude, that is insufferable, man. And I've heard similar stories yeah. about Prince. Like, oh, you weren't totally. allowed to, like, look him in the eye. Yeah. Um, like he's a Doberman. Like, <laughs> like Jesus, <laughs> dude. <laughs> Just, you know. I mean, come on. Uh, I would, look, there's a lots of weird behaviors, but that having fucking like an interpreter that he just would whisper in her ear and then she well, I was would, thinking that's what, the genuinely the weirdest of all yeah well, when you first brought it up i was thinking like what is like a Cyrano de bergerac kind of thing like but no he just is a fucking weirdo crazy weird dude, dude. Nutball, asshole so. yeah yeah anyway i will say like in defense in the, in in kind of an oblique defense of this record i think one of the things that i found to be really interesting is that is that s- many reviewers who wrote about this record wrote about this record in really interesting and beautiful ways, like ways that were kind of, you know, that kind of didn't uh, check off all the usual um, check boxes. And to be fair, like this record came out at such a time that Lester Bangs was still alive. So there was a crazy Lester Bangs oh, opus dude, on this. Do you have that dialed up? Yeah, I've got it. Yeah. I, I mean, right, well, the, we could never, we could, we'd spend days. We should, yeah, we should listen to another song, but I do yeah. want to hear more about that. Yeah, we'll do it on the other side. Uh, Shane, what do you want to dial up next? Well, do you want to listen to Ballerina? Yeah, yeah. I genuinely like that song. So. Okay, yeah, let's do that. There, there's nothing on this album that I think is like it's not, shitty. No, it's not patently bad. It's not like New Kids on the Block or some shit. It's just fucking disorganized and boring. Yeah, it's it's more boring than anything else. Yeah, it's not fastidious. You know what? Enough. It kind of reminded me of real quick before we listen. Mood wise, it's it could be a good like you know rainy what, day is, record. But that's exactly a uh, rainy day hanging out with your lady, cuddling. But but <laughs> but but it gave me the same feel as Nick Drake does, except Nick Drake is f- 
Yes, cuddling. I like cuddling with your lady. Brian's describing that, and he's aggressively pointing at Shane while he's talking about cuddling. (laughs) No, the the power went out, so you can't watch anything on your Roku. but your phone still works, so you throw this on. Throw this on. <laughs> go with the lady. <laughs> all you need is mono for this stuff. <laughs> it's a very specific set I, of circumstances. Yes, and, and that's about the only time I would ever listen to this again. <laughs> yeah, that's about right. It remind. It gives me the same mood feel, except like as the as any of the of the Nick Drake records, except those are those are so much better. The songs are so much. But I just thought about that. I was like, what does this make me feel like? Because I don't. It, the overall mood, I like the overall mood. It's just the individual songs. There's just not a lot to them. I don't know. Let's listen to that song. All right. Grab your lady. We're going to listen to Valerie now. <laughs> Go cuddle. <laughs> Spread your The guy can sing. Yeah. He's got a fantastic voice. I, I'm not that crazy about the scat style where he's just kind of like, you know, yeah, just kind of like more he's sliding it's, it's a little like bit. like beat poetry, like yeah, over yeah. the songs. Um, but he can sing for sure. I think some of those lyrics are pretty evocative, not just in that song, but in this in this album in general. That's one thing we haven't really talked I mean, like, some there's some some of them can be really evocative, and and it feels like maybe that's what he was putting all well, his effort into. Is typically evocative of something. Like, well, no, mean? but I mean they they seem like little like 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 some of them seem like vignette. Like if Madame George, like I knew that's the word you were gonna get. Yeah. Vignette. They um, are. I yeah, mean, he, he you know he set the scene. Guys. Yeah, you set guys. set the scene. But I think that's where he. I think that's where he spent his his time was mostly working on the lyrics and melodies and. And stuff came came secondary. That's what it seems like to me. Well, and it sounds like just based on some of the conversations with people who are in the room and part of those sessions, or people who helped put those together, that the general like the general condition of that room was he was in a booth by himself. The rest of the musicians were separate, and where they were, you know, like a lot of them didn't even necessarily pay attention to what the lyrical content was. They're like, you listen. Because you have to be like pay attention to the overall thing, but they're, you know, they're they were playing this type of music, but with the sensibility of jazz guys, and so you know, for that reason, I can certainly see why. Well, and apparently, was inspired by uh, Janet Planet, so there's that. Sure, but particularly what I like about that song uh, more than the rest of this record is that it feels like it's going somewhere, and I think it's the strings that really do it. Like you know, they just kind of like gradually progress. Uh, like a little bit higher in pitch or higher in key, um, and that you know, it's still. Well, I like something that he I'm said. 
listen to every day, but go ahead. No, I like that you said going somewhere because, like, I think a lot of what our criticism is about this is that we're looking for pop songs, and that's not what he was trying to make at the time. But I like jazz. It's a jazz record. But I like. But here, but here's the deal. No, it's not the. There's. It's still real. It's rambly, and a lot of the jazz, the jazz that I like to listen to, there's ultimately a point that they. You know, there's a, there's still a progression within the song. Here, there's not a lot. It's just it's like a it's like a babbling brook that's just you know going. No, it's for people who like. You know, I'm minutes. sure they liked playing with each other, but they didn't know each other that well, and the shit doesn't go anywhere. And to me, that is boring. The songs go anywhere, and that's that's a lot of the, right. A lot of the reasons I I'm not into most jazz are the, a lot of the reasons that I'm not into this record. I find it interesting that you picked this as kind of one of your standout songs because this song has quite amount of dissonance to it and that it's a little off key and maybe maybe that is what i like about it more because i you know I, I tend to you know like i love me some pixies um true um watched a documentary on them last night um i like stuff yes, that pixies that, that, and ben Moore, they, you're right this is a pixie sounding song like now that i think about it like I mean, are, are, I, are, you, are you being I, ironic? I, I see, I see so many parallels between yeah, the two. Yeah, thank you. I'm, I'm, fa- I'm just. I can't my point you just is, my, my point eyes. is, I like it when stuff goes a little askew. Um, and this, you like it in your own way. You don't, you don't like dissonance or art off. Yeah, I seem to recall you saying in the in past ep- podcasts where like the dissonance really kind of irks you. Like when things don't sound in tune, and there's a little bit of out of tune in his yeah. guitar in this song. It depends, man. I, I can't, I can't necessarily qualify it, but um, when something hits me, it hits me, and, and you know, this one hit me more than the rest of the record. All right. Well, on that note, let's do some intermission stuff. <laughs> I wanted to pick something that would be a natural segue from Astro Week. So, uh, of course, I chose uh, the single off of the kids' soundtrack from 1995 by the folk implosion, Natural One. Let us. More get... folk music. Yes, exactly. Still more folk. Like I've always, I've always gotten a kick out of that song, and for years it pissed me off to no end because you can't, you literally can't buy it without buying the entire Kids record uh, soundtrack. And I was like, that's just a like it just always stuck in my craw. Like it's a really, it feels like a really short sighted licensing deal by 
by, uh, in this case, the Folk Implosion, which is really a side project of uh, Lou Barlow. From Sebado and formerly Dinosaur Jr. Centrado. Yes. And so, anyway, um, but what I didn't know until I really started digging into this was that uh, that he curated that entire soundtrack, and that soundtrack is full of stuff that are that are um, folk implosion songs. This just happened to be the, the single off of it. So it makes a little bit more sense given that context. But then, I, then again, I found another piece where I guess um, – Harmony. I don't know if it's Corinne or Corinne, the the screenwriter who wrote, who wrote Kids, was uh, really into Centrado and some of the early stuff that Barlow had been doing. Anyway, and he used to just send them things like all the time, and they were like, this kid was like kind of intense and whatever. And so anyway, he sent them the script for Kids, and then eventually it turned into this big deal, and he was like, I want you to come out and and so. Whereas I think usually the way that these these things tend to work, um, my guess is that anybody who is is helping to curate the soundtrack or write stuff for a soundtrack just gets brought in after the movie's already been put together. But in this case, he was like, you know, he's like, I was there for casting, which is fascinating. That's interesting. Uh, that's crazy. Yeah. Uh, yeah, this is almost like kind of a big hit. It was like, a hit. Him. And yeah. Sebado was always one of those bands that was kind of like simmering like in the underground mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. but did well enough that like they didn't have to work day jobs or yeah, anything. Yeah, they did just fine. Yeah. Um, but I remember listening to this uh, interview like during South by one year uh, on the radio and they were like, oh, so you've had this big hit with um, Natural One. Like, has that opened a lot of doors? Uh, like, you know, uh, you had a lot of opportunities because of that? And he was like, No. <laughs> the opposite, um, like this, they ask us to do stuff that I would never want to do in my life. Um, so yeah, like I, you know, it's, so he was it, just approached. He, he was just approach, approached badly. Well, he was he was approached with things that he did, like that he didn't want to do, and you know the kind of stuff that he wanted to do with that project, uh, he wasn't able to because they were seen as just this like little you know one off like. Uh, Top forty band or whatever, they do have one song, that, and I actually I, do, I like Folk Implosion more than I do Sebado, frankly. Um, and they have one song that I got off a CMJ disc uh, called "Free to Go," which is amazing. Um, oh yeah, it's a good song. I've heard that one before. I saw them live. It was it was all right. Yeah, I, I thought it was a pretty good project. And this song is good, but it was just weird. He just cut cast into this box that he didn't want to be in. Uh, but decent tune, creepy fucking movie though. I never, yeah. I never saw I kids, but, it. but I will. Have you not seen it? I've never seen it. I, you know, it's uh, yeah, like when you have careers. kids, put them away if you're oh, going yeah. to watch that movie. That's yeah. all I'm yeah. going to say. It, it did launch some careers. It's also it's it's a, it's a very '90s phenomenon, like something that happened in the '90s where like indie movies could make money and and uh, and become like cultural phenomenons in a way that like everything's so split up now. You. You don't really have that happen as much anymore. Well, there is. We won't go down the rabbit hole too deep on this, but there is a movement afoot. Like Amazon and Netflix are throwing a lot of money at independent filmmakers to try and do more of that type of stuff. Now, I don't know whether that means that. Well, I think it was Larry like Clark that was the director of that, and like he also did Bully after that. And they're both like bordering on like pedophile kind of stuff. Like, oh yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, they're they're well made. Films yeah. and and art and completely intriguing. I'm just telling you, like you're gonna want to take a shower afterwards. Yeah, yeah, I've heard I've heard as much. 
Yeah. Anyway, um, the other the other reason that I picked this track was that um, John Davis, who's the other half of the Folk Implosion, um, has got a record coming out. So, for whatever that's worth, he, that guy like completely left the business, and uh, and, and so, caught the bug again. Caught Apparently the bug. He had completely left it. Well, right. He still knew where the business was. He just wasn't actively uh, seeking the business for a while. That happens. You see people do that. Yeah. All right, kids. You want to get back to it? Let's do it. So I mentioned uh, before the intermission that uh, this record, uh, we're talking about Van Morrison's Astral Weeks, that this record came out early enough that uh, Lester Bangs was still alive, and he wrote a you know, as he was wont to do, massive impassioned opus about. Can I just mention something real quick? And I I definitely want you to finish your thought. I just watched almost famous, like right before I got to the show today. Yeah. So Lester Bangs is on the mind already. Oh, sure. Was Uh, it, who played, was it Philip Seymour Hoffman? Philip Seymour Hoffman. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Dearly departed. Anyway. Yeah. Um, which now seems like really apt casting, but whatever. So, um, so yeah, like a lot of times when if you ever if you ever read old Lester Bank piece, oh, any of the Lester Banks pieces, I guess they're all old. Um, he they typically are there as much about him as they are about the music uh, itself, and so I won't go into the whole thing, but I'll just he was share. Centric dude, yeah, yeah, he was. And uh, but he said he was talking about this. He, he was talking about Astral Weeks, and he said in the condition I was in, um, it was assumed. This record assumed the quality of a beacon, a light on the far shores of the murk. What's more, it was proof that there was something left to express artistically besides nihilism and destruction. It sounded like the man who made Astral Weeks was in terrible pain, pain most of Van, of Van Morrison's previous works had only suggested. But like the later albums by the Velvet Underground, there was a redemptive element in the blackness, ultimate compassion for the suffering of others, and a swath of pure beauty and mystical awe that cut... Uh, through the heart of the work. Now, that seems to be a departure from what you guys are suggesting. Um, but I, but I, but I, let me add one more little nugget, and then I'll throw it to you, Shane. So um, he says he also he goes on to say um, it did come up about at a time when a lot of things that a lot of people cared about passionately were beginning to disintegrate. We're talking 1968, um, and when the self-destructive undertow that always accompanied the great 60s party, had an awful lot of ankles firmly in its maw and was pulling straight down. So as timely as it is, perhaps Astro Weeks is also a product of an era. That guy sure did like to write. He did, yeah. But anyway, yeah, there's no mistaking a Lester Banks piece. You're like, I, just I, strap yeah, in. I almost like, was thinking, like, I'm going to come in, like, I'm not going to have much to say about this because, like, I'm just, it makes me tired. Um that is a different take than what he said. It is a product of its time. I, I, I definitely would. That, that's one of the things that I was thinking. I was like, this is some hippie-ass shit, man. I mean, it's not. It's real hippie. It's real. To me, it's jazz hippie. I don't get the jazz of it, other than the fact that the guy that's playing. It's a bunch of musicians, like, improvising together. Then they're jazz musicians. Yeah, but it doesn't. You don't listen. Like, I listen to a lot of jazz, and I don't hear the jazz stuff in there. It's jazzy. And there's a big difference. We've talked about this on the show before between jazz and jazzy. This is jazzy. But it's also like, you know, it's jazzy folk stuff. And it's folk that's not that good. I just know that I could see like a bunch of like the deadhead little 
fucking hippie dance. That's they, not fucking look, jazz, where though. Where they look like a T-Rex or something. No, no not no. <laughs> but if you took the Grateful Dead and you married it with, like, the most boring jazz on the planet, um, here you go. They look like a T-Rex. It's my favorite. They kind of look like Well, no, they uh, do. They have their, their hands no, like and then right they, and then they their, they, But then they do that kind of thing where it looks like they have an invisible ball and they're By the way, T-Rex the band is great. interpretive dance here at the table. <laughs> Um, so yeah, let me. I'm going to add one more little nugget from from Good Mr. Bangs, and this is kind of interesting because I think it informs what his take and the the take of some other folks who have reviewed this album um, favorably have had to say. He says Van Morrison is interested, ob- obsessed with how much musical or verbal information he can compress into a small space, and almost conversely, how far he can spread out one note, word, sound, or picture to capture one note be it a caress or a twitch. He repeats certain phrases to extremes that from anybody else would seem ridiculous because he's waiting for a vision to unfold, trying as unobtrusively as possible to nudge it along. Sometimes he gives it through you, to you through silence by choking off the song in mid-flight. It's too late to stop now, uh, quote, end quote. So I don't, you know, obviously that's not how you guys feel about this record, but I do think that, like, that kind of informs his perspective, which is to say that, like, he was he was looking for something greater than the sum yeah, of his that, parts. Yeah, that is a, some flowery prose right there. Um, he had a good. Pen. Uh, no, the yeah. dude could write. Um, well, you know, it's funny that it's, it, you know, the, when the t- it's too late to stop now. I mean, that's my favorite song off of the next record, Into the Mystic. I mean, once you get into that... But that's a more, uh, I guess, probably uplifting record. Anyway, God knows. I thought the next uh, next record was uh, Moon Dance. Moon Dance. But Into yeah. the Mystic is on that record. You know, okay. one of the things that that you guys brought up, um, Shane, you specifically brought up before the break was um, Madame George. Lyrically, I thought that that was one, that was one track that I thought, in particular, like even if you don't like the record. As a whole, like it's hard to get past. Like the the scene he paints, I think is pretty right. That's way. that's one of the. I think that was the one where I finally really went back and started listening to the rest of the songs, just listening to the lyrics because, again, like not to you know whatever the the vignette or whatever like he, he paints, it's very, it's very evocative and it's very. I don't. Know, the lyrics are great on that song, but it's also like really long. It just does the same thing over and over and over again. And without a lot of melody, but the lyrics are really good. The lyrics are good on this on this record in general. You know, I don't know. I'm just not fond of the delivery method. I don't think like, anybody is, Ryan. I think we determined that at the beginning of the album, but well, our beginning okay. of this show, it just it, we're just we're saying something that's you know we hadn't really talked that much about the lyrics like up till now. But let's listen to one one more of these songs. What you got for us? Um. You know, we could do that, Madam. We could do Madam George. I like the title track, the end of the title. I like the last half of that song, but let's do Madam George. Down Cypress Avenue With the childlike vision sleeping into view The clicking, clacking of the high heel shoe Ford and Fitzroy, Madam Joy. Marching with the soldier boy behind. He's much older now with head on drinking wine. And that smell of sweet perfume comes drifting through. 
Yeah, that's another one. They're they're not they're not really. What's it like? Um, almost only counts and horseshoes, horseshoes and, hand, and grenades. hand grenades. Yeah, that's kind of like how you can He's describe like no 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 no. Wrong, I'm, I'm talking about the way that the instruments are tuned. Like they're not they're not really like you know we're just gonna go with it here. We're just gonna fly by the seat of our pants. They're not really spending that much time making sure their instruments me, are tuned. Let me ask you guys this. So, um, one thing that I thought was particularly fascinating about the just the yeah the intervening years since this this record was made was that he didn't play he didn't play any of it really didn't play it publicly certainly not as a, a contiguous unit until um like a show or two shows that he did at the hollywood bowl in 2009 so it was like it, it was kind of uh, like one of the pieces i read said that uh, Morrison's occasional disregard. So they kind of these guys are kind of re- like viewing this as uh, him giving this record the short shrift. Help. They think that it helped fuel his cult, suggesting that he tapped into a vein that frightened even him. This is a common thread among cult albums where audiences choose to live eternally within a few dark mon- moments of an artist's life. See also Big Star's Third or Weezer's Pinkerton. I don't know. That's a good. That's a. I, I can get behind that actually. Yeah, there, yeah. There's something to be said for like uh, an audience finding an album rather than it being pushed on them. Yeah, that makes it but more al- legendary. But also, to be- me, like when you said the Hollywood Bowl thing, like I was just like, oh, was that like a Jim Jones kind of situation where everybody's just passed out by the end of it? <laughs> Are you saying that they all drank Kool Aid or what? Well, I mean, <laughs> except for they actually just went to sleep because that's that's all I get from this. That song in particular. Uh, I think that song's got crazy good lyrics. Yeah, I, I it's got crazy good lyrics, and I and I yeah, I think that um, you know the I, like the idea of this sort of aging transvestite and um, and like the way like the way that it sounds to me. And Mark, I'd be curious to get your take on this. Like, it sounds to me like these are many of these are painted as like characters from Belfast. Uh, definitely, and and there's a lot of. Of geographical references to Belfast in here as well. Um, We've covered a lot of what this, what this, the legend of this record has come to be about. And I totally get that. Like, there's really not. It's not succinct. It is meandering. Um, but I think it's interesting. And I, you know, I got, I, uh, I did not know it particularly well uh, before we started down this road. I so. didn't know it at all. I will say, um, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna walk away with without really. You know, I don't care if I ever really listen to it ever again. But if I hear some songs that come on the radio, I'm going to pay more attention to the lyrics in them now. Like hey, man. Yeah, and I want to go – like, you guys made the lyrics sound great, but you know how I am about lyrics. Like, I don't notice unless I yeah, like the song. that's true. I'm just going to yeah. start uh, listening to it in parking lots with a faraway gaze in my eyes. Dude, that no, kid looks no. like really excited. Oh wait, 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 like, wait, wait. Was he a kid? Van Morrison, dude? <laughs> I, Turn it I, up. Had it, I had it in my mind like it was some Green like – 55, 60-year-old Oh, no, man. he was like 17 or something and like stacking carts. And he's like, what was that? And I was like, it was Van Morrison. And then I just went in and did my shopping. Yeah, he's, just, changed he's just now getting into man. weed and the Grateful Dead. You know, he's like 16. Oh, my God. That, guy's, that guy's like shopping I don't, for hacky I don't know that he knew online. who Van Morrison was. I just well, didn't I know have that's time to saying. sit that's and have a discussion about it and explain that I'm not really that into it, but I'm glad that you are because, hey – 
You know, well, I won't say Van Horn. That's one of those. Stuff. Yeah. That is one of those crossroads where you don't realize it, but you cast that guy down a completely different path. That night. could be. Like, who knows, man? Maybe like I, I had a very important role in this kid's life uh, for about ten seconds, and like he's he's in a new direction now. He went home and started listening to Van Morrison. All right, that was Astral Weeks. Uh, Ryan, what's I've our? I've got I've got the new. Um, I'm kind of violating my own rule a little bit on this one, but there's a good reason. You have rules? Well, I have a rule about, like, the the new stuff. We were talking for a little while about maybe uh, having local bands um, that we do, that we'd cover, and I typically don't like to do that um, because sometimes I run into these people, and I want to be very honest. But I was listening to KUTX um, a couple weeks ago, and this really good song uh, came on and it happened to be by some people that I know and it's a band called Sweet Spirit and the song is called uh, The Power. Do it live! I can, I'll write it and we'll do it live! You're the kind of girl who studied in school and practiced your fashion Like I said, like, uh, I typically don't want to cover local bands because I'm going to run into these people, but that one I genuinely was just like listening to the radio and I was like, oh, who's this? And I'm like, oh, I know a couple of them. Um, I know Sabrina, who's the singer, and I know Andrew, who's the guitar player. They're both also in another pretty great band called The Giant Dog, which is on Merge Records. So I don't know when those guys sleep, um, but they've got two buzzy bands going right now. Well, and... Um if I remember correctly, like, weren't they the band that Spoon opened for when they did the pop-up show? To, um, not this record, but the last record? They're so, closely like, connected to Spoon. Yeah. Uh, Brit loves both of their bands. Yeah. Um, but A Giant Dog is the one that's kind of, like, higher profile right now. But, like, this one would be any local musician's, like, dream to get as far as Sweet Spirit has. And A Giant Dog is, like, kind of, like, bubbling up right now. Um, having landed on Merge, thank, thanks largely to Britt Daniel. Um, and so, you know, just good song. There's not a video. There is live video of it, uh, if you guys want to look it up. But um, anyway, cool people. Like, I, I like everybody that I've met associated with them. I booked uh, a couple shows with her old band, Bobby Jealousy. Um, and, you know, I, I've had nothing but good things to say uh, about her and, and her music. Uh, forever. Shane, what did you think? Oh, totally not my thing at all. I do like some other songs they have on the album that came out before this quite a bit. This is a little too like 80s classic rock kind of like rock and roll stuff I don't really care for. 
but she's a great singer. And oh, she's got pipes, man. Yeah. Uh, and they, and live, like she's su- like, she's a little theatrical. It might be a little meatloafy uh, for some people, but like uh, Andrew, it just slays on guitar, and he used to. Play this is with- why we don't do bands that are from Austin, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> You're just talking over more, uh, just again and again and again, uh, just about these people as people. No, no, I was, like, was going to talk about like his guitar work. Um, he used to be in the OBN threes and like live, like he just has like a really signature sound, and uh, he improves any project he's in. Uh, anyway, uh, yeah, I think one, you know, the one thing that uh, the other thing that occurs to me about this act is that this is uh, this this band is one of. Um, our buddy Chad, uh, the music journalist, Chad uh, yeah, one of his favorite acts, and I'm kind of, you know, I probably sit in the same boat as Chad, or uh, not as Chad as uh, as Shane on this. Like, there's some tracks off the previous record that I really like, and I like this song. Like, I I could see how live they'd probably be a lot of fun. Um, I haven't caught them live actually. Yet, so. Live, I liked them less than when I heard this, but they've only been a band for maybe two and a half years or something. Um, and I wasn't that crazy about it. They opened for Spoon uh, when Spoon did that little, yeah, that little pop-up show. Um, and I wasn't that crazy about them then, but I, I genuinely like this song. And, uh, and yes, I generally avoid uh, talking about local bands. Anyway, then uh, thanks for sharing it. Uh, it'll be good to see or interesting to see what they come up with uh, uh, on the rest of this next release. Who has... The next one. Shane, is that you? No, this was me. I think it's Ryan. That was Brad. You know what? I've heard about this band for forever. I've never listened. I don't even think I know a Yardbird song. I think maybe I've heard one. Um, Off the top of my head, I don't know. I just know a bunch of them went on to do other, other shit, shit that they were a lot famous. more successful. And yeah. But it's number 350 on Rolling Stone's best 100 uh, best 500 records of all, all time. Right. Well, we've already established even in this show how arbitrary of course lists like that is. All art is arbitrary. All appreciation of art is arbitrary. But it's uh, the, the Yardboards, Roger the Engineer, apparently also known as Over, Under, under Sideways, Down. Uh, Okie doke. None of that sounds familiar to me, so do you, I'm definitely not the person that likes this one. Oh, yet. I like I like some stuff from the '60s. Hey man, I, they were precursor to uh, Led Zeppelin. Lots of good bands, and, yeah, and, yeah. So um, let's get into that next week. All right, sounds good. In the meantime, I'm Kevin. I'm Ryan. I'm Shane. And I'm Mark. This is somebody likes it. Oh, and if you uh, and if you heard the podcast and you have an opinion on it one way or the other, um, w- w- you know, this is, like, we don't typically uh, raise our hand and say, "Hey, it'd be cool if you uh, reviewed us." But we don't have very many of those yet, and we'd love to get some. We'd love to hear what you think. On iTunes. On yeah. iTunes. So if you're listening yes. to us right now on iTunes, uh, click whatever little button's there that it asks you to click to, to write a little short review. Tell us what you think. It. All right. All right.